Welcome everybody to Everyday Awakening, Buddha Bagels and Being. Today, Kristen will discuss how we can become more aware of how we can align with our most natural pace, the way in which we relate to ourselves, each other, and to the world, and how when our energetic field is in tune with our most natural state, we feel in flow, unlimited, and energized. So during today's episode, you're going to have an opportunity to run towards your most natural internal state, the pace that would most be in service of both you, your clients, and the collective at whole. So sit back, relax, and enjoy our beautiful show. Hey, welcome to today's show. This is Kristen here, and I'm with my good buddy, Laura. Hello. Hello. And our topic uh, today is something called essence pace. This is uh, a really cool concept that I wanted to share with you because it's something I've been learning. And being that this is um, everyday awakening, it's something that I'm awakening to. So let me kind of describe it here we work at an incredibly fast pace, right? The speed of technology, connectivity, um, it's really changed our lives. Our, our whole culture is sped up. And honestly, we value speed. We value things done at a very fast pace, right? Productivity, all of that. And we've become used to instant replies as well, right? So we have constant availability, whether it's a text or a phone call, and, and really, it kind of keeps us on edge um, and reactionary, right? So, you know, I know sometimes I almost feel anxious if I get a text or an email that I cannot reply to quickly or somebody doesn't reply to mine. What's wrong? What's wrong? Let's fix it. What's going on? All right, now I'm going to call because you didn't answer my text from 20 minutes ago. You know, it's kind of crazy. And then, you know, we're used to getting things on our doorstep the next morning. Right. So we just yes. make a quick, press a couple of buttons and whatever we want shows up the next day. Um, and we become accustomed to this pace. And, and guess what? This pace is run. The energy source of this pace is adrenaline. When we're, when we're going, 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 when we're going, 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 mm-hmm. and we unconsciously, unconsciously, we get addicted to the hits. Mm-hmm because that is the energy source. It's a limited energy source, right? Because eventually we're going to, you know, it comes at the the cost of our adrenal glands. And we've talked in other podcasts about that. I'm not going to get into that today, but it's finite. It has a cost, right? So um, moving at, at essence pace is coming out of fear being our go-to subconscious response, so to speak, and, and adrenaline, because really everything is based in fear if you take it back far enough. It's our body's adaptation to what's happening um, if we're not present, right? It's almost, it's almost all adrenaline. It's primitive. It's what our brain does. It's how we kind of survive. So if we're not feeling safe, we're going to get these hits of adrenaline so we can constantly respond to our environment. 
So, um, you know, you can really get addicted to that. Yep. Totally understand. Can I say, can I ask please though? I'm noticing like also it can be flipped in the other way as well. Meaning when I was, well, even today still too, but when I was not surrounded by my tribe, I noticed the pace of my energetic essence was different than theirs and it made them uncomfortable. Yeah. And they would like, you know, they would walk and I'd be sitting in a restaurant waiting and they would walk in and I was so excited that they got there that I would jump up, run over and be like, hello. (laughs) (laughs) Assault them with happiness. Yeah. And they would be like, they would look at each other and then look at me and be like, Hey, you know? So it's like, it's not, it doesn't have to necessarily be just because you are energetic. It's not, you can be energetic and not in adrenaline and, Correct. and be in a pace of high vibration that you can be, that you're also aware of. I get, I mean, I would, I'm aware of it, but I guess you could be unaware of it as well. And I wonder what would it be like? It would be almost like missing a gift at Christmas morning if you were unaware of the higher vibration that was pulsing through you. It's like you're like missing your own gift to the world, maybe. Yeah. Well, totally. And, you know, essence, the essence pace we're talking about, it permeates everything, you know, anywhere from the food that you choose to eat, the pace at which you move your physical body, the pace at which, or the, the, the ability to connect with others is missing, can be missing if we're running off of adrenaline, but some of us may have a more natural pace. So we'll talk a little bit more about that, but, but what I'm talking about that the, I would willing, I'm willing to bet the vast majority of people are running from adrenaline, right? This, these constant hits. Mm-hmm. Like and that is it. essentially that speed, speed, fast, fast, hurry, hurry, because we can be very centered, but also be thrown off immediately in the presence of others. So it is, a, it is, um, it's influenced, mm-hmm. but this fast, 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 quick, quick, hurry up, get it done. That's completely out of sync with our natural rhythm. So, you know, I'm taking this, uh, wonderful coaching course called the big leap coaching course through, um, Katie Hendricks and, and Gay Hendricks, right? He's the famous author of, of The Big Leap. So she coined the phrase essence pace. And I think it's brilliant. It, it really defines it well. Um, because when we're in essence pace, it's a way of connecting with ourselves, with our own natural rhythm, with our own natural pace of movement. And that presence, it presences us and it connects us to ourselves and others, right? So this is this is an internal pace. This is an external pace. This is a way that we move throughout the day, right? Mm-hmm. If we're conscious of it. One of the one of the things that I love about what you're saying is it reminds me of coaching school for myself years ago. That um, one of the things that you learn is to meet your clients where they are. So if your client comes to the call and they're sad and you're like, how are you doing today? It's not connecting to yeah. the other person. So it's like tap, like, like uh, 
tapping into the essence pace of your clients and then matching that so that you could, you almost like can get into them in a way that will bring the coach languaging to help. You can feel into what they're experiencing when you do that versus if you're just disconnected in this other complete space versus matching them where they are. You can get into them and be with them where they are in a deeper way. Find questions from that space that will take them deeper into that space. Or, you know, sometimes they just want to pop out of it so you could be with that too. In them. Yes. And what if we could do that with all of our relationships, not yeah. just a coaching relationship? What if we could do that with our partner? with our kids, with our friends, with somebody in line at the supermarket, you know, even just, just, um, presencing. Yeah. Even it can even be unspoken, Mm -hmm. you know, which is so cool, but I would, I would invite, I would invite everyone to remember the messages they received as a child, right? Where did, where did these, where did it originate from? What pace was encouraged when you were a child? right? Was it, is that where the hurry up began? You know, my, my mom would always say, you're slower than molasses in January. That was her favorite (laughs) saying. So in other words, hurry up, come on, get ready, get the lead out. And then there's other kids who I'm sure the messages they heard are stop fidgeting, slow down, sit still. My my dad would say, sit down, shut up and relax for five minutes. (laughs) That's what's it saying. And my mom would say to me all the time, slow down. You're going to hurt yourself. Um, But I don't think at that time I was running on adrenaline. There certainly was a period of my life where I was, but that I was just alive and happy. And, you know, when you're alive and happy, you don't, you don't necessarily like, I know when I'm not feeling good because my walk does change. When I'm emotionally down, my walk changes. Yeah. But for me, it was the opposite. My parents would tell me all the time, sit down, shut up and relax for five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I heard, you know, no, not helpful at all. And what came up for me um, when I considered, well, where, you know, what we're looking at are, let's say, uh, conditioned stories. Mm -hmm where we're perceiving that our pace is not correct. So what did you make up when your mom would say that to you? What did I make up? Yeah. Like, what did you think about when she said that, like about yourself? I don't know that I thought anything about myself per se. So for me, I think it was more of a physical response. Like, oh shit, I gotta, I gotta hurry up and get ready. I gotta run. Mm. But you know, what really, what came up for me when I did stop to consider it was, um, the words poised and fear came, came into my awareness, kind of like um, the world is a scary place. And I think that came more from my, my father's side and his pace that, that kind of influenced my, my space because my father's pace was slow, steady, methodical. You know, he's a very hard worker. He thought everything through he got the job done. He did it well, mm-hmm. but, but some of it was fear-based because I think that was more about him remaining in control and not letting anything get out of control for fear of 
being anxious about being out of control. Got it. So that caused him to be kind of not fully present because he was often observe, uh, often um, absorbed in the worry or almost locked in place. And, and I feel that whole poised controlled space is, is kind of the pace that I learned as a kid. But my mom was the opposite. She was very willy nilly. She was often two, three steps ahead of herself before she fully completed a task. You know, she was more prone to forgetting. She was prone to tripping. You know, there were safety issues involved when we're too far ahead, having little accidents because she was never fully present. And, you know, because you're always ahead to the next thing. So, again, when we're talking about safety and security, um, being when we're in our essence pace, that is that, 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 oh, it's our, that beautiful nervous system response, beautifully interpreting the world around us. Yeah. Right. We're not in fear. We're not in anxiety. We're meeting the moments. We're flowing through the moment. We're present mm-hmm. and aware, and we are going to shift back and forth. Mm-hmm. However, coming back, coming back, coming back is what's important. So this has become more of a daily practice to me. And actually the piece that's been missing for me is physical embodiment. So I'm actually working on physically embodying my proper pace because I think the internal essence, living my essence, I think I'm there frequently but it's interesting because I think I'm there so frequently and I think of this poised in fear. Well, how do I come into my body more ground into my body, move my body? Because I, I, I have so many scars and cuts and things from not being mindful in my body, like requiring plastic surgery cuts, you know what I mean? Not simple things. (laughs) Okay. So this is why the embodiment for me is something that I'm personally working on. So you're saying then that by being aware of and practicing being embodying the presence of the moment, it's almost like the awareness of what the moment's calling for informs you of of the essence of the moment so that you can match not just another person's energy, but that you can match the energy of the moment that's with you. Yeah. And, and you may, you may find that other people's energy match yours. So this is, and this is what, what they call looping, right? It's back and forth. It's like, uh, how are you feeling? How Mm -hmm. am I feeling Mm -hmm. back and forth? Right. So matching. And then through that, it, it just creates uh, a beautiful symmetry, right? You're, you're really connecting and presenting with another being and your energy essentially matches. And wouldn't it be nice if that, if you and I through our presencing can influence the chaos that exists outside of ourselves? What if we, so if we are the change and we're matching frenetic, crazy energy, Mm -hmm. we are becoming what's happening instead of influencing what's happening. Absolutely. And God knows we need to influence what happens out there. It so reminds it's, me of coherence as well. Yeah. Like, yeah, like to be in coherence with someone else, heart math, coherence or brainwave 
coherence, just being present to the relationship. And yeah, I, and I love what you just said too, because it's a very significant statement instead of reacting to what's happening out there, contributing to what's happening out there in a beautiful way. And I know we talked about this in a, in one of our last podcasts and it was what would happen if we stopped contributing to the storm with our energy, like, Oh my God, that's happening over there. And, ah, you know, that's contributing to the storm, collaborating with what's not right is contributing to the not rightness of the moment instead of elevating to an essence that would create what wants to be created from the chaos. Cause like you had said before we hit the record button on this podcast, that sometimes through chaos is when, is when beauty is created or is when something new is being created. Sometimes it's through chaos first. Yeah. Through, yeah. Dismantling of the old structure. Uh, because if you're, if you, if you are creating through fear, it's not a clear lens and you're going to arm, right? You're going to create whatever you need to remain safe. And, and by safe, I don't mean expressing your feelings, being present. I mean, building up your armor, getting angry, uh, taking control, doing what needs to be done at any cost, right? So you could take that from interpersonal relationships the whole way up to invading another country. Yep. So you you know people who are not in fear do not invade other countries. It's power versus force. It's, yeah. Yeah, Putin is using force and um there's something that is there is another way, right? There's always another way. And what I love that you're pointing to is when you are in your essence pace, it is from a place of power and the, and the power is residing in feeling into what wants to be embodied versus forcing someone else to match you where you are or forcing um, your will on unwilling participants. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm going a field here a little bit, but that's where, you know, like shame as a tactic comes in. Shaming others. That is shame is not going to get us anywhere. You know, when you're in our interpersonal relationships, uh, you know, uh, shaming people into compliance or forcing people, forcing your will upon people. These are all still states of fear and control. You know, what we're looking at is within ourselves being the opposite and influence and, and, and getting a larger and larger sphere of influence around us from that, from that presencing, from that essence. I love that. I'm reading Katie. I mean, um, um, uh, Brene Brown's book right now, the Atlas of the heart. And she talks a lot about shame and humiliation and the difference between the two. And shame is, when one do, when one person does feel shamed by someone else and then they take on the shame it's because they feel like they deserve it mm-hmm. 
versus humiliation is something occurred, somebody, somebody tried to shame you, but you know, you didn't deserve it. So you can, you're still going to feel a feeling, especially as a young child or as a teenager, you're, you're going to feel a feeling, but you're not going to own it and, and put it in your body somewhere and let it run your chemical world. Yeah. You're going to experience it and move on from it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the more we are in our essence, the more of a positive influence we're going to have, because again, you can't get to where you want to go. You can't get to peace or connection or a better relationship with somebody through, through those old paradigm tools, you know, shame on you. Um, you're an idiot. Why do that? You know, it's, we're not going to get there. We're going to stay exactly where we are. Even through humiliation. If you walk, if you embody the essence of humiliation, you're not going to get very far either because you're still embodying a lower level consciousness. Right. And that's force. When someone's shaming you, they're forcing their opinion Mm -hmm. on you. They're forcing their conditioning on you. And when you're humiliated, you are taking a part of it on viscerally, physiologically, even though you know it doesn't belong to you. But the only way out is to become empowered, to power yourself up, to to, to become physiologically the you that you know you are. Where humiliation and shame can't necessarily touch you. The other interesting thing, which I think we're seeing played out right now with Ukraine too, is when shame, if the book says you don't have any empathy, shameless yeah. is empathy, empathylessness. Yes. Um, Putin is obviously empathylessness. He has no empathy. Humil- uh, humil- guilt holds empathy. And you know, it's when you know you did something wrong and you want to make it better because you feel, oh my gosh, I hurt this person. Shame has no empathy attached to it. And it's so interesting because I'm thinking right now, as you're talking about like when we're little, our parents trying to do what's right for us, by us, shame us, but yeah. that's forcing their opinion on us. That is contaminating our essence. You know, what if like what you were saying, we could ask powerful questions to our children to help them tap into the essence of calm or the essence of aliveness, you know, instead of sit down, be quiet, hurry up. Um, There's an shame on you. Yeah. There's an essence your child is demonstrating that they want to live within because that's the place that feels most at home naturally within themselves. And if we could, as parents witness that, and become knowledgeable of that and then embrace it because that's our beautiful child. Yeah. You know, what different humans will we create? I wonder what Putin's parents were like. Hmm. Uh, do you even have to ask that question? <laughs> Not really. No. Probably the same as Trump's parents. Yeah. Perfectionist, shame based, angry, greedy, fearful. Mm-hmm. It's all fear. This is why little, this is why I call, I call dictators, little boys. I, I call people who carry AR 15s, uh, dictators, uh, uh, you know, these people are scared. They're scared children. I can't see them in any other way. The guns, they don't scare me. These, these are 
uh, I'm willing to bet these are scared children carrying, uh, arming up because their perception, their security is non-existent. It it's, so reminds me of that young boy, that Rittenhouse guy that armed up yeah. during the riot. And I, you know, I watched that trial on TV. And what I found so fascinating was when he broke down hysterically, be, be, almost not even being able to breathe. He was essentially having a total breakdown and panic attack on, on when he was um, being um, questioned. He was... He had a he had a uh, pack on him, a, a first aid kit, and his job he told himself was to go around and help people. And he carried the AR-15 in case anybody tried to hurt him while he helped people. Mm-hmm. But the truth was evident for me. What I could witness within him was a scared boy that wanted to feel empowered. He was he had no sense of power that was derived from within him. Yes. And so he had to seek it from outside of himself in the shape of a gun to walk around feeling like he was a valuable member of society that had something positive to give. And I don't think necessarily that he meant to kill and injure two or three people that day, but he did stemming from a place of not feeling powerful within. So he had to use a forceful object to, to express and display his inherent value instead of feeling and embodying power from within. It's like a perfect example of power versus force, fear-based, non-essence geography being played out into the world. Yeah, it, and world stage. leaders, people governing worlds <laughs> or governing countries from that space. Mm. Uh, it's 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 mind-boggling. It's sad. It's it's scary. So maybe the paradigm that's wanting to be shifted then would be to go from leaders that are fear-based, feeling disempowered within their own self, forcing others to comply to a world in which they want to live in, to feel better about themselves. It's so lower level consciousness, less than 200 all about me. Maybe the paradigm shift then is wanting to create countries based on essence pace that's individualized and unique from being empowered within, that the people are empowered within, the government is empowered within to help people feel empowered, that it's around power, not force. Yeah. Well, we, this is a deep conversation. This is this topic could go into twenty different ways in a day. It can go into twenty different ways. Um, let me give let me give a couple of practical tools, and and how one might see this if they wanted to incorporate it into their life, um, on a more uh, on a more day to day basis. So you can look at it as kind of essence pace it as um, you know being versus doing. We're doing. We're just doing. We're mindlessly doing, 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 doing. That's that's mindless and that zone of of you know almost of not sensing safety and security. It's going through the motions, and we're subject to unnaturally moving at the pace of others. Right? We're overwhelmed and consumed by the other's pace. 
We may be more prone to mistakes, doing something we don't want to do or will regret doing at some point, or even prone to an injury. And then being is mindful and it keeps us in our natural pace. So it keeps us embodied, mindful, and less prone to mirroring external influences that pull us out of our essence constantly and into adrenaline reactivity and the ongoing cycle of that adrenaline addiction, which is what the news does. It's what social media can do. It's what calling your friends can do to commiserate with your current situation. It, it's being in the spin constantly. And, and if you're not aware of it, you don't know you're in it. So for, I'll give a very physical example for myself. Now we talked about essence pace from, let's say the, the very internal essence that we have. And I think you and I are connected with that, Laura. For me, what I'm learning is now embodying my essence pace actually in my body. And I'm not sure why this is so mind-blowing to me as a yoga teacher, but yoga is pretty, yoga is is has a framework and it can be pretty rigid. And I always come from the rigid continuum of, of yoga. But for me, I've recently taken on a part-time job in a, in a greenhouse three days a week, right? I love gardening. It's, a, it's an awesome hobby. I wanted to get my hands in the dirt. I wanted to get out of, of my head. Literally, it's what was kind of calling to me. But this job is extremely physically demanding. It's a straight hour, straight eight hours on my feet, moving my body. I am not used to that. I'm not accustomed to it. And plus, I fill my other days uh, seeing clients, doing paperwork and recording this podcast, et cetera. So as an introvert, it is absolutely critical that to stay in my essence pace, um, I have to spare my energy and I have to learn how to do that during a busy week. So I've become very, very mindful of my body and how it moon moves right through mindful pacing. So anyone might try this to become mindful embodied and, and work at your essence pace. It's really, if you're doing something. So for me, I'm handling these delicate little seedlings. I'm separating them. I'm pulling out individual strands. I'm planting them. I'm putting them in the dirt. I'm fortifying them. It's, it's a cool metaphor for essence pace, because if I move too fast, I'm going to kill them. <laughs> you know, if I move too slow, I'm not going to get enough done, but I can breathe and move with it. And then being in that position all day, I'm going to start to feel it in my body. I'm going to start to feel pain in my back. So that's a beautiful way to presence as well. So now I'm going to move my back. I'm going to breathe into my back. I'm going to expand it. I'm going to wiggle my toes to bring myself back down into the earth and to center my body. So these are all little micro practices that can bring you back into essence any, any time. So, you know, think of, of, of different ways where you can essence and presence. Think of it anywhere from embodiment to like, I'm going to slice an apple. Mm -hmm. And I want to slice it meaningfully with this very sharp knife yeah. so that I'm making these beautiful cuts. I'm smelling the, the aroma of the apple as I cut it. I'm feeling the juice on my fingers. I'm looking at its beautiful symmetry when I cut it in half, how both sides 
have these gorgeous seeds in this little round center. That is being present to cutting an apple. That's being present to the moment. Yeah. I'm not thinking about my emails or anything else. I'm presencing to what my hands are doing. You could take that anywhere up to, okay, I'm seeing on my phone that so-and-so is calling and I know so-and-so is going to be wrapped up in drama. So I could make a choice at my essence pace that right now I know I'm not able to take that call. So I'm going to let it go. Or I'm going to take a deep breath. If I'm feeling centered in, it, 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 in my essence and that I can properly presence and connect with this person, I'm going to receive that call. And we're going, I'm hoping, I, I'm going to hope that my essence in some way creates connection with this person. So it's being mindful about what we are about to go into, whether That's it's beautiful. cutting an apple, yeah. whether it's walking down the stairs, because how many of us almost damn near break Run. our neck right. because we're carrying laundry. We're so far ahead of ourselves. It actually, in a really cool way, creates more time. It actually makes us more effective when we are present. We think we're being more effective by doing 10 things at once. No, usually not because we probably have to clean up five or eight of those things because we did them too quickly or did not do them well and may need to go back another day and correct them and fix them because we were fucked up today <laughs> and, and exhausted and panicked adrenaline ridden. Right. And you, you know what I mean? It, but I also love that you're talking about empowering yourself enough where you, if you do get on the call, you can influence the call because you're in your power. You are yes. in your essence place. You're not influenced by the chaos, but you are influencing from a place of power from a place of centeredness in the middle of a storm. You know, it's funny because I was feeling chaotic this morning um, because I was um, wondering what wanted to be, what wants to emerge through Putin taking Ukraine. And I was thinking, 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 feeling, 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 feeling not good. And I have these like list of errands that have been on my plate for two weeks. And it's like returning a knob, getting a refund for a wrong delivery, going to UPS and going to the post office and going to the pharmacy. Now, who wants to do any of those things? Not me. That's why it's been on my list for two weeks. But I knew today that I was going to give myself, I knew that if I left the house, I would meet people that would be kind and compassionate and proficient and conversational, and that would bring me back to a state of connection. And, and that's exactly what happened. I found this new UPS place that does UPS, FedEx, regular mail, and even Amazon returns. <laughs> and you Dang. walk in, there's two people standing there and me and one other guy walked in and the, the one employee said, can I help you to the guy? And the other woman came right out from behind the counter and said, can I help you to me? It was like phenomenal service. And we wound up having this lovely conversation. And it was like, I just needed to connect with people in the good way in the way that makes us feel like we're here to help each other. We're here to get along. 
you know, to just do our jobs in a way that is, that's just, it doesn't matter what you do for a living. What matters is who you're being while you're doing it. Yes. You're not just doing a job. You are being someone uh, that's present to their beingness as they're performing. And uh, I just, I felt so much better. I felt so much better. Um, And it's just a small micro metaphor for what wants to emerge in a macro way. You know, how can we together collectively make Ukrainians know that they're cherished and important and that we care? And uh, what are we going to do as a country politically to ensure that um, that that it's not maintainable. So like, so that the takeover is not maintainable. I I don't know what's going to happen, but what I do know is that collectively we're all looking at the whole world is looking at this one thing happening together, saying it's not okay to take away someone's freedom. It's not okay to disassemble a country that's happy the way that it's working and something good will arise from that collectively as the world feels into that together. So it's not, you can choose to look at it from a place of, Oh, you know, Holy shit. And feel bad, which is also a natural response, but to go above and transcend beyond that and think this has got to be happening so that collectively we're experiencing something together. That's going to bring forth some new aspect of ourselves some new way to be with each other as a human to human. It doesn't matter where you live because hello, apparently COVID wasn't enough. So we have to, we have to have another experience of a collective experience together to show us that we are unified as a species and that our job is to empower each other and not to force anything on anyone. All right. Off my soapbox there. Well, that was, that was, beautiful and and thought provoking and that is you know it beautifully reflected the you know our micro responsibility to, to showing up and presencing for ourselves and others and just those immediate people around us and how that expands out to the macro and and you're absolutely right we can't yet Apparently, we haven't yet got it right enough (laughs) that we can influence these catastrophes not happening. You know, I wonder if these catastrophes are increasing our level of consciousness even by just one point. So maybe like I think as the world, we're like at 205 right now. I'm referencing David Hawkins' levels of consciousness. 200 or less is when you can only see what's good for you, you, your life, your taxes, your family, your job, your country. After 200, it's like willing to expand your horizon, see beyond your own blindfolds, like a horse's things on their eyes. You know, you can take them down and see the effects of the world. And um, gosh, I I just lost what I was going to say. But it was something along the line of, yeah, raising the level of consciousness. Again, we're unified. Again, we're connected. Again, we're, we interbelong to each other. We're interconnected. We're intermingling. 
with, you know, money and food and power and love and possibility and potential and freedom and diplomacy and courtesy, you know, my God. Yes. And doesn't it feel better when, when you drop the shit, it takes so much energy to uphold crazy to uphold your armor of of perceived safety that's not even really there yeah what if we just let it go what if you let all of your fears go what if you let your extreme political views go on any side what if you let your your guard down a little bit and opened your essence to another person's essence and met from a place of essence instead of your story. Like, like you met the people you walked into the store. Nobody was upholding their story at that point. These were human beings connecting, meeting, getting something done. And it was a beautiful experience and it raised your energy. And who knows, you may have raised their energy in some way. Mm-hmm. It was a, again, a micro expression of what we could do on a, on a more global scale. But it starts in those interchanges and with every freaking day. So what do you think then it wants to occur? What do you think Essence Pace wants for us to know in the world today? I mean, and this, this answer could change in an hour, right? Or tomorrow, but today, right now, what do you think? essence pace has to teach us today? I think it always boils down to presence and connection. Mm. It, 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 it is very, very basic forms. First, presencing to ourselves so we have awareness about what our needs are. And when we're not in a state of fear and adrenaline, we actually have the capacity to connect with Mm -hmm. others. And that ripples like the proverbial pebble in the pond. It must start with ourselves. So it's, it's the whole be the change and then see what happens. And what I'm going to do is in the show notes, I'm going to put a link where you could read more about essence pace through the Hendrix Institute um, and, and perhaps apply it for yourself. And, uh, you know, because we went, we we went really a far field with it, which I think is very cool. Bring it into the kind of macrocosm. So I'll include a link so you can read more about it. Great. But I I appreciate where this conversation went. Not not ne- not really what I expected, but it makes sense based on what's happening and and, and where you and I were before we hit record. So I, I'm appreciating <laughs> you. I'm appreciating Ditto. this conversation. Yeah. I'm appreciating the fact that that you and I can connect on an essence level mm-hmm. and that you know we make each other better people and we are hopefully creating the change and I hope all of you listeners are inspired to connect as well. Oh, Kristen, that was so beautiful. You're so beautiful. Thank you so much. That oh. was great. As as are you, so Thank you, Laura. Thank you, listeners. Uh, Reach out, ask questions. 
we are here for you. Everydayawakeningpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Everyday Awakening. How can today awaken you to the greatness that lives within? To ask a question, suggest a topic, or contact us, please email us at everydayawakeningpodcast at gmail.com. If you really like our show, please be sure to rate, review, and follow the show wherever you get your podcasts. And tell a few friends. 